This morning we're concluding our summer series we've entitled Travel Guide, and our goal throughout this series has been to cover a number of common issues that most of us are going to face at some point in our lives, and to ask what the gospel says about these issues. And to this point we've covered parenting, money, anxiety, modesty, offense, and marriage. Next week we're going to move on and we're going to be doing a back-to-school service where we're going to pray over our students and over teachers and administrators who are going back to school and, and just uh, we're going to hear from God's word about some principles that may help you as you go back to school this fall as students, as parents, and as teachers. And so we're going to be going in that direction. And then after that, we're going to be tackling the book of John which, if you know how I preach, it will probably take us until the next renovation in the year 2065, and we'll complete the book of John by then, or Jesus will come back, one of the two. But that's kind of where we're headed soon, um, and uh, I'm excited for all of those things. But this morning, we're going to end this series by talking about entertainment. And we're asking, what does the gospel say about entertainment? What does it say about the movies we watch or the television we watch, the music or podcasts we listen to, the social media we scroll through, the games that we play? Now, maybe you haven't given much thought to this issue. Maybe you've thought that entertainment is really a non-issue regarding the gospel. It has nothing to do with it. The gospel doesn't affect entertainment. Perhaps you're a first-generation Christian. Maybe you're a new believer, and you've never heard someone talk about what entertains you. It seems that in more recent years, at least according to my own estimation, that Christians have not been as concerned with entertainment as they once were, at least when I was growing up. And maybe that's a little bit of a reaction to what could have been an overbearing emphasis on the kinds of entertainment that were considered unacceptable in past decades. Throughout various periods of church history, Christians have rejected forms of entertainment that we now take to be pretty innocent, we kind of take for granted. Things like bowling alleys and skating rinks were once considered you know, worldly and sinful, and Christians were not allowed. Playing darts or games of chance were considered off limits because they were reminiscent of gambling or they didn't recognize God's sovereignty. Going to a movie theater was out of the question for many believers. True story, I didn't see a movie in theaters until I was almost 19 years old. I also was, we didn't watch movies that were rated above PG in my house, and so I didn't really watch a movie that was rated PG-13 until The Lord of the Rings came out, and it was only when I was almost 19 years old, I had gone off to college, I hit a rebellious streak, I saw my first rated R movie in theaters, it was The Passion of the Christ, I confess, I confess to you, I'm serious, that was it. Now I know that might strike, I know that might strike some of you as funny and prudish, but I don't look back and feel that way about it as if I was repressed as a child. It's easy to look back on the scruples and the convictions of past generations and think that maybe they were just uptight and legalistic and narrow-minded. But I think that for many of them, maybe most of them, their concern was actually to honor God, to avoid temptation, and encourage each other in a life of holiness. Sure, there were probably some who were legalistic and, and narrow-minded about things, and, and they were probably judgmental about how they applied their scruples, and were probably wrong in so doing, but I think that for many there was a sincere desire to walk in holiness and honor Christ. Now, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't go bowling, all right? Neither would I quibble with you about going to see a movie in the theater. Entertainment is an area of Christian life where Christians may disagree 
on specifics. There's liberty to disagree, and God's word gives us wisdom and direction for how we ought to approach areas where the Bible doesn't issue a direct command about whether you ought to go to a roller skating rink, because they didn't exist, or whether you ought to see a movie, because photographs had not yet been invented. So it doesn't give direct commands here, so it, we can't say, well, you should not ever absolutely But the Bible gives us direction where we find areas of disagreement among brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans 14, 1 through 8 tells us this. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Just a note, this isn't talking about like modern ideas of vegetarianism or veganism or anything like that, though there may be some application. But this was talking about uh, people who were concerned over meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another. Probably talking about the Sabbath being celebrated on Saturday or religious holidays that some of the Jewish Christians were bringing into their faith. They esteemed these days as important. While another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. The one who is weak in faith is not to place all of their scruples on others. The one who is strong in faith should welcome others without needing to argue over everything they feel free to do. And in matters where the scripture is silent or doesn't speak directly, each one should follow their convictions. But notice they are to do it in honor for the Lord. If they cannot do something in honor of God, then they should not do it. Since Christ has died for us and we now live for him, we should live for him and die for him. We should not pursue life as a free-for-all, but out of a desire to honor and to please Christ. Whatever you do, do for the Lord. And that includes entertainment. If you cannot do it in good conscience for the Lord, do not do it. So while... I can't this morning provide you a list of everything that would be inappropriate to watch or to listen to, though I hope some of these things are obvious to you as a believer. We can say that if we are to live for Christ, that is, if our daily decisions are to be made in light of our salvation from sin and being turned from darkness to light by Christ, then you should be intentional about your entertainment It ought not to be something you just take in without thinking about it. You should be intentional about entertainment. We live in a period where entertainment is force-fed to you. Video after video, reel after reel, image after image, song after song, platforms are designed to grab your attention and to hold on to it for as long as possible so that your attention can be sold for advertising dollars. Companies and marketers understand that your attention is a commodity that is valuable. 
Do you know that your attention is a valuable commodity? And since your attention is valuable, you ought to be intentional about what entertains you because God cares about what you think about. Perhaps more than anything else, your thoughts, your patterns, your habits of thinking, they shape who you are. Now, you can't just change things because of what you think. I'm not talking about, you know, new age positivity where, you know, your thoughts send vibrations into the world or something and they change things. I'm talking about when you change the way you think, it changes your attitude and your reaction to things. And because you change your behavior, circumstances change. Situations change. Your responses change. And God has given us a new way to think about the world, and he cares that we would pursue this new way of thinking. Our minds and our thoughts are a critical part of our sanctification, and they are a crucial part of our worship. So if you thought that becoming a Christian meant some kind of emotional experience where you checked your your brains and your mind at the door, you've been very, very mistaken about that because God wants your thoughts, because they shape who you are. Romans 12, one to two says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You need to avoid conforming to the world, which is on its way to judgment, by renewing your mind so that you can discern the will of God. That sounds slightly important, doesn't it? That's an understatement. It's really, think about what what Paul is saying here. He's saying that you can know and discern God's will in the world, but only if your pattern of thinking has been changed. The way we think will determine whether we are able to discern God's will. If we think too much like the world, we won't be able to discern his will. If we can't discern God's will, we can't do God's will. If we can't do God's will, we fall into worldliness and sin and we are headed to judgment along with the world. What does this have to do with entertainment? Well, entertainment has the power to influence what you think about. Consider what companies call the people they hire to promote their brands on social media. They call them influencers because they want to influence your thoughts and your preferences toward their ends, toward their goals. News outlets, regardless of which one, they want to do the same thing. Music, television, movies, they often promote worldviews that are opposed to Christian values and to a Christ-like worldview. They normalize patterns of thinking and behavior that contradict God's revealed will in his word. And to be intentional about how what entertains you affects your thinking, you can monitor your mindset. This is the first thing you need to do if you're going to be intentional about your entertainment is that you should monitor or you can monitor your mindset. You might ask yourself, what does this entertainment cause me to think about? What is it asking me to consider Is it changing how I perceive important issues? Is it changing the patterns of my thoughts even when I'm not watching or listening to it? Clearly, you think about what entertains you and here's what Paul says about 
a renewed mind and what it focuses on. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, it's really hard to think about things that are pure if the music you're listening to is describing things that are impure. I think you'll find it difficult to cut crass language out of your vocabulary if the music you listen to is constantly feeding your, your brain with crass language. You'll probably find it harder to turn away from your old, unregenerate lifestyle if the interviews you enjoy, the videos you consume are filled with people promoting that promiscuous, selfish, greedy, angry, idolatrous way of life that you used to be involved in. We shouldn't revel we shouldn't revel in or, or be entertained by what God has delivered us out of, should we? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 says this, or do you not know that the, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but... You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I understand that just because an art form portrays something sinful doesn't mean that that is promoting something sinful. We can use discernment here. Movies may contain drunkenness or lying or some other sin without condoning it. They may just be part of the larger story. So we have to exercise that discernment. But you should be asking what does this entertainment glorify? What does it promote? Does it cause me to think on things that are pure and worthy of praise? Or does it drag my mind into old patterns of thinking that I used to follow before I knew Jesus? Does it honor things that are blatantly sinful as if they are good? Ephesians 5, 11 to 12 warns us, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, let alone watch the things that they do in secret. Christians should not be taking part in evil or reveling in it, which includes enjoying it as a form of entertainment. Let me give you an example. It's my opinion that Christians shouldn't watch programs like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Now, to be clear, I've never watched these programs, so maybe today I'm 100% wrong and my, my opinion formed based on the ads I've seen and a little bit of reading I've done is wrong. Maybe you ought to gather your young children together with you in front of the television and watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette because it's going to teach them godly values for their sexuality and dating lives. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am, but you know, if I am, I'm sorry. But here's the reason why I don't think it's godly for, for a Christian, why it would be good for this to... To, for a Christian to, to watch these kinds of things. Last week, we, we spoke about marriage and how it's designed to reflect, reflect Christ's love for the church. We might ask ourselves, does the way that they date on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette reflect Christ's love for the church? Or does it normalize sensuality and lust? It doesn't seem to me that the sensuality nor the transactional nature of how a partner is chosen on those programs 
really reflects Christ's love for the church. Instead, it promotes promiscuity, pursuing love based on what's in it for me and a selfish desire, especially that's one that's filled with lustful intent, a try-before-you-buy mentality, and the objectification of men or women as if you can have a bunch before you and just choose the one you think is best, like you're selecting a cow out of a herd of cattle or something. It's kind of gross. And if you want to see if this kind of dating actually works, just look up the divorce rates for these people, which are at 79% right now, and they'll probably go higher the more seasons they continue to produce. And that leads to another aspect of your mindset that you need to monitor when it comes to entertainment, a deceitful worldview. A week ago on Friday, my family sat down for uh, pizza night. We have pizza night on Friday night. This is uh, Tay pizza night, and we usually watch a movie or a television program together. And so we sat down, and a cooking show was selected this week, and it seemed innocent enough. However, pretty quickly, it became apparent that two of the contestants were homosexual, and they weren't just incidentally homosexual, like the program was making a deal out of this. It was, it was going to be up front, and it was going to be something that was celebrated as part of this program. Now, do I think that just watching something, just, just because there's someone who sins in it uh, and, and they're participating in the program, do I think that that's always wrong? No. Was I afraid that this was going to rub off on me somehow? Not really. But if a program is normalizing cheating or lying or drunkenness or greed or envy, I typically turn it off. I don't want sin normalized in my life or in front of my children. So I told them we need to choose another program, and then I gently told them the reason why we couldn't watch that one, even though it seemed pretty innocent as a cooking program on the face of it. When it comes to our mindsets, maintaining a godly worldview is important because entertainment seems so innocent. So when deceitful ideas are subtly slipped in, they often go unnoticed, but over time, they can change the way we think by normalizing what God says is sinful. I think some of the ways this often happens in our entertainment is through pride and envy and lust, and especially in American media, greed is a huge one that's normalized by entertainment. Another big one for those who watch a lot of news is anger. You do understand that the news industry is an entertainment industry, right? From CNN to Fox, they're trying to entertain you, and that's not necessarily bad until you realize that one of the primary means they use of keeping your attention is anger, because anger is a powerful emotion. And if they can get you angry, they can keep you watching. But James gives us this stern warning. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so, even though you may agree with the values being presented, even the news can push you toward a pattern of thinking that leads away from the righteousness of God. To be intentional about entertainment, you need to monitor your mindset because God cares about what you think about. He cares about the patterns of your thought. And the patterns of your thought determine whether you can discern God's will. That's a big deal. Monitor your mindset. But the only danger of entertainment is not that it could influence your mindset away from a godly pattern of thinking. It also has the potential to distract you from more important matters. Entertainment may not directly cause you to commit some severe evil, like just because you saw it on TV, you're not going to go copy it and do it. But what if it hinders you from doing good? 
Many of us can probably relate to this experience. You have, uh, you, you've been engrossed in a movie, a program, a game, a feed. Suddenly you look up, you look at the clock and you go, what happened? Where, where did that time go? You were scrolling, you were watching, where did that time go? In fact, many of the forms of entertainment available now are intended very specifically to grab and keep your attention for as long as possible. Not only are they trying to make the programs interesting, but you probably know this, they've developed algorithms that discern what you've watched before, what you've liked the most, what you've watched the longest, and then they present you similar things so that you'll keep watching. Why? Because your attention is a valuable commodity that they sell and market to people but your attention is a valuable commodity to God as well. God wants your attention. (laughs) Satan wants your attention. He wants to keep you from doing the will of God. And this is why Jesus warned us about the end times. He said in Luke 21, 34, watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day, the day of judgment, come upon you suddenly like a trap. And while Jesus' focus was on the unrestrained behavior that was often caused by drunkenness, his larger point was to warn his disciples not to be distracted from the reality of his soon return and the judgment by becoming engrossed in the world. We need attentiveness and we need a kind of urgency as believers in Jesus in our lives, a focused passion for Christ. Paul said it like this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We should have an eternal perspective as Christians and this conflicts with most entertainment the goal of most entertainment is to grab your attention now. It's paid by for people, it's paid for by people who want to sell you something right now. Their goal is not to help you set your mind on things above. They want you to set your mind on things below. And my point is not that Christians must be serious and gloomy and grim all the time. That's not what it means to have an urgency in our lives. But neither am I suggesting that a diversion from the the ordinary or monotonous parts of life is always a bad thing. But I think we should consider if the rest or joy that we're looking for can actually be provided by the distractions of entertainment to which we so often turn. We're looking for resolution to the issues of injustice and the pain we feel in our lives. And it's true that entertainment can take our minds off of that pain, but it rarely provides any real substantive solution to our pain and certainly can't resolve the injustices of the world. And this is why Christians are called to set their minds on things above, not on earthly things. We are looking forward to the actual resolution of injustice and of pain, not a distraction from it. And too much of of those distractions may move our minds from the hope of Christ and cause us to miss opportunities to make the best use of our time now by helping others fix their hope on Christ as well. And rather than stirring up our passion for eternity, the distractions we experience now may stir up the passions of our flesh, limiting our urgency and the urgency we feel for the mission of Christ. And what about our ability to hear God's voice? We often refer to the voice of the Holy Spirit as the still, small voice. But if you're constantly watching, listening, 
to something. You've always got the news on. You've always got the earbuds in your ear listening to, to music. Is it possible that your thoughts are so distracted that you can't do what God's word says and pray without ceasing? If your thoughts are always full of worldly opinions, can you hope to discern God's voice? If you teach your mind to jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, how will you fix your mind on things above? Have your entertainment habits distracted you from setting your mind on things above? Have you been distracted from God's word and prayer, pulled away by the hooks of social media that it has in your mind? I encourage you to limit the distraction. Maybe you could start by saying, you know what, I'm not checking my phone in the morning before the Bible, before prayer. Perhaps you could put a limit on your screen time. Maybe you could get rid of or turn off those applications that you find consistently pulling your attention away. Maybe shut the news off for a while and pray to the one who's actually in charge of the world. Intentionality in your entertainment means monitoring your mindset and limiting distraction. And as we saw from Romans chapter 12, this is so important because it's a matter of worship. Jesus said the greatest commandment was this, that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What you do with your mind, that is your thought life, is a matter of your love and worship of God. And so while entertainment may seem relatively minor in the grand scheme of things, because of how saturated our world is with entertainment, it actually matters quite a lot. And if we're not careful, our thoughts can be, can be directed toward ungodly patterns of lust and greed and anger and pride, or, or maybe just distraction. And when our minds shift, so does our worship. Since loving God involves our minds. You cannot properly love God unless you love him with your mind. And if your mind is distracted, if it is brought down into patterns of ungodly thinking, then your worship is tainted as well. And that's why entertainment is a matter of importance and one that we shouldn't merely hope that we kind of go through life getting right. Because the people who are seeking to entertain you are very intentional about it. And I think the enemy of our souls has been very intentional about using entertainment as a source of distraction for us. And so we have to be intentional about how we discern the proper and good and godly use of entertainment in our lives. I'm going to talk to Christians a little bit more in just a moment about how we should apply this. But first, I want to address anyone present who may not yet be a follower of Jesus Christ. And maybe for you, what we've talked about this morning, lust and envy and greed and pride and anger and adultery and violence and hatred, these aren't things that you watch on a screen as entertainment, but you recognize in your life, this is your life. This is the pattern of your life. This is the things that you're caught in. God warns you, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, 
jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If that's your life, I warn you today that you should not think that because you have a title on your life, you, you came to church once, your, your parents told you you were a Christian family, you were baptized as an infant or something like that, that, that you're fine. The scripture teaches, God's word reveals that if you're living in these ways, you will not inherit the kingdom of God Maybe you're in a state where you have rejected God. Maybe you've not thought much about him lately. Or maybe you came this morning and you know your life is filled with these things and you came with a sense of, of, of urgency or of, of just maybe fear even in your heart of where you're going and what life holds and what the eternity holds for you. Wherever you're at in that, my appeal to you today would be this. If your life is filled with these things, not even just as a matter of stuff you watch on the screen, but this is you filled with lust, filled with anger, filled with idolatry and adultery and envy and pride and greed. God sent his son to save you. God became flesh in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who lived for you, who died for you, bore that sin on the cross. He was raised on the third day, exalted to the right hand of God, and he is coming back and he will judge you. And when he comes, he will judge the whole world. And he will judge based first on this criteria. Is this person right? And that rightness will be based not on were you able to pull it all together and make yourself good. That rightness will be found in did you submit to Jesus? Did you accept God's forgiveness and the way out of judgment that he made for you through his son? Were you right with God through Jesus? And if you are, you will be saved. But if you're not, you will be judged. And that makes some people angry. Frankly, I struggle to understand that anger. It's difficult for me to imagine a God who would be so unjust as to say it doesn't matter what you do for your whole life. It doesn't matter if you accept an offer of free mercy and forgiveness, even something as beautiful as that. It doesn't matter. Everybody gets in. How unjust would that be that he would allow evil to pour into his kingdom in that way? And so the issue for you may be, well, I'm mad. I'm mad that God doesn't let me live how I want to live. I'm mad that God doesn't allow me to live how I feel. I'm mad about all these things. But listen, God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you, to pay the penalty that you might be right with him. And the plea this morning is simply this. Would you turn to him and be right with God today? Would you give up trying to satisfy, please, and save yourself? And would you turn to God in repentance and faith, receiving the good news and receiving the way out that he's made for you? I'm gonna ask you to just close your eyes for a moment just so that you can be intentional with God in your own thinking right now. He knows who you are. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're doing with your life. And he knows if you need him this morning because you've not received his love and forgiveness through Christ. Today, if you don't have a relationship with God through Christ, the call is simple for you. Will you respond to God's love, his call to you to repent, to turn away from your sin and to be saved? Will you respond to his mercy and his guarantee of salvation by faith? You can't work hard enough, you can't clean yourself up enough, you cannot be good enough for God, you can't change yourself enough 
for God to love you. God sent his son Jesus to bear the penalty of your sin that you might be saved, that you might be cleansed, that you might be forgiven so that rather than saying I'm filled with anger, I'm filled with lust, I'm filled with greed, I'm filled with envy, I'm filled with dissension, I'm filled with division, I'm filled with pride, I'm filled with jealousy, you can say, I was, but God washed me. I was saved by the blood of Jesus. I was made new when the Holy Spirit came into my life. If that's you, you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus today, you don't know the forgiveness of your sins and have an assurance of your eternity with God. Today that's available to you and it's not because I pray a prayer, it's not because you raise a hand, it's because you sincerely hear the word of God and repent and believe in Jesus. If that's you, you've heard God's word today, you sense the call of God in your life, in your heart today, I'm gonna ask you to do something very simple, but just as a means of you responding and not just staying inside yourself, but responding to what God's doing in your life today, would you, would you simply stand so that I can pray with you? Is there anybody like that? You don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. You know you're stuck in sin. You're stuck in your own pride. You're stuck in your separation from God and you want freedom from that. You wanna know God by faith in Christ today. You wanna know the forgiveness of your sin and the healing of your life. If that's you, would you just stand? Anybody like that? I'm gonna wait for just one moment. If you're online and you wanna respond to today's message, we would love to pray with you as well. You can text the word HOPE to 413-300-6061. We'll contact you and we would be happy to pray with you. Is there anybody like that? I wanna ask Christians if you would respond in this way, then you can open your eyes again. As with last week, I think that the best response will be one of prayerful reflection. So I've just written a few questions for you to ask regarding your own habits of entertainment. And I wanna recommend that you start reflecting on and maybe even writing down your patterns of entertainment. So when are you listening to music or a podcast? How much time do you spend on social media every day? What programs are you regularly sitting down to watch? And once you've kind of done that and you, you kind of realize, okay, here's the time that I spend with some kind of media or entertainment coming into my life and into my mind, then maybe ask yourself these questions. Does this stir up passions of the flesh? Am I tempted to lust or toward anger or greed or pride when I watch or listen to this? Does this help me set my mind on things above? Is this influencing me toward an unbiblical worldview? Does it cause feelings of anger, resentment, irritability, or hatred? Am I neglecting more important matters for this? And, and regarding that one, I would just say, you know, listen carefully to the voice of the Holy Spirit. This may be different for some. This is not, the sermon today is not to suggest that you can't ever have rest or reprieve, that you've got to be going, 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 going all the time with this feeling of, oh, God is, you know, pressing down on me. That's not the point. So I'm not suggesting that you, you have this over, overdeveloped sense of conscience that is really judgmental, but instead you be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Does my mind constantly long for distraction because of a pattern I've indulged? Is it doling my urgency for godly things? Is it changing my opinion on big issues without any reflection on what God's word says? Does it normalize sin, presenting it not only as a reality, but as if it's good? 
Am I being entertained by the portrayal of sin? What does God think about that? And the goal of these questions and of being intentional about entertainment is not to be legalistic or prudish. Rather, it is so that we can worship God well with our minds. Because from the outset of this series of messages, our goal has not been to present a few tips or tricks, life hacks for Christians, but to ask, what is the good news? That God sent his son Jesus in the flesh to teach us the right way to live, to die on the cross for our sin, raised him on the third day, exalted him to his right hand, and he's coming again to judge the world and save the saints. What does that teach me to do concerning these issues, including entertainment? in my life. And I think the good news teaches us that in order to love God with our minds, we cannot glorify those things Jesus came to save us from. Let's honor God in our minds. Would you stand with me and let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you today for the freedom that we have in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that by his wounds we have been healed, and we thank you that through his death we have been saved and restored and forgiven. And today, Father, we ask that you would help us to recognize the way that you would have us to approach entertainment. We pray, Father, that we would not merely accept it for what it is, Lord, that we would not blindly indulge ourselves in entertainment, but we would be thoughtful, intentional, being rightly, uh, having the right mindset when we approach these things so that we can discern what your will is. Father, let us not give up our discernment of what is good and evil for some cheap entertainment. Help us, Father, to be intentional about these things. And I pray that the example and patterns that we establish in our lives would also be good ones that can be transferred to our children and our children's children so that the church might be sustained in its desire to honor God with our minds and in our patterns of thinking. We thank you for that, Lord. We trust you to do it. Holy Spirit, this is an area of our lives where we need your help. We know that this is a uniquely prevalent problem in this generation because this kind of entertainment is everywhere and it is addicting. And so, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to be, to, to, to be convicted of those things that are wrong and when we recognize them, that you would enable us to be obedient with a strength that is beyond our own. We love you, Lord. We thank you for that. We want to submit to your way of thinking in these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we believe. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you'd like prayer regarding this or anything else in life, we would be happy to pray with you. We have some prayer partners and pastors who are available here at the front. Otherwise, we will see you again on Wednesday when we continue in prayer. Till then, go in God's grace and peace.